Welcome to Indian Classical Music, a listener's guide, a podcast dedicated to enhancing your experience of one of the most captivating musical traditions in the world. This podcast has been commissioned by An Indian Summer and produced by Sitar Music Society. My name is Gaviraj. And I'm Sital. And we'll be taking you through a journey on how Indian classical music is performed. As we explore how musicians move us through melody and rhythm, we hope that you'll discover a closer connection with this mesmerizing music. First, let's set some context. Indian classical music is intimately tied to nature. The pace of the morning and energy of the evening are not the same. The emotions and moods of the different seasons cannot be denied. Similarly, The rags that Indian classical music explores correspond to different times of the day and evoke instinctive responses such as joy, sadness or reverence. Indian classical music is also intrinsically spiritual. Musicians train in an oral tradition with their guru for many years, which takes dedication and instills sadhana. They also believe in the sanctity of music and pay immense respect to their gurus and instruments. So when the great sitar maestro Pandit Ravi Shankar was asked to perform at the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967, he became quite apprehensive when he heard that Jimi Hendrix was scheduled to perform after him. At the time, Hendrix was famous for dousing his guitar in gasoline and setting it alight on stage. Pandiji felt that this probably wasn't the right context for Indian classical music not only to be performed and understood, but respected too. After refusing to perform, the organisers eventually found a solution, where Panditji had his own stage for a slightly more relaxed afternoon performance, during which Hendrix sat quietly, captivated in the front row. To quote Pandit Ravi Shankarji himself, At the beginning, I have to shut myself off completely. That's when I have to really get into the spirit of the rag. And at that moment, I dare not be aware of the listeners because, you know, a little vibration, which may not be complimentary, can shatter the whole thing. Therefore, shutting myself completely off anyone sitting around helps me to get deep into the spirit of the rag. Musicians often use the metaphor of a person to refer to a rag a unique personality evolving over time. Just like a relationship, an artist's understanding of a rag also changes as they mature. So in a performance context, it's a bit like a conversation with that rag. When you meet someone, even if you've known them for a long time, you'll probably start by warming up the conversation. In a similar way, the alab or the introductory section of an Indian classical music performance slowly unfolds the melodic elements of the rag to build the atmosphere so that the artist and the audience can really immerse themselves and get to know the rag. Here's a clip of an alap from the Drupad music tradition, a form that can trace its roots back to ancient times. Here, Pandit Uday Bawalkar is unfolding Rag Saraswati. Ram, 
Although Drupad music's origins lie in vocal chants, there has always been a symbiotic relationship with instruments, particularly the plucked instrument known as the bean or veena. In instrumental music, the musician gradually introduces rhythmical patterns to build the rag soundscape. Instruments commonly found in Indian classical music include the sitar, veena, sarod, sarangi, flute, and more recently the violin and santur. This faster-paced section is known as the Jor Jala and culminates in a breathtaking crescendo. there's something we haven't addressed yet. It's a different kind of north-south divide. Indian classical music is recognised to have two traditions that correspond to the northern and southern geographical areas of the subcontinent. The North Indian tradition is known as Hindustani and the South Indian tradition is referred to as Karnatic. Although there are many similarities, including the concepts of rag or ragam, and tal or talam, the format of a performance differs. So how does it differ? Well, the story goes that originally, the format was actually quite similar. The performance would start with a slow alap and gradually build up the pace, exploring the rag as the focus, just as we've discussed. But then something happened that changed the way audiences experienced Indian classical music in the South significantly. Two brothers in Mysore were expert musicians, but started to realise that audience numbers were dwindling. So, they decided to adapt. Before the rag elaboration, the ragam dhanam pallavi as it's called, 
or RTP for short. The performance would start with a variety of shorter compositions to warm up the audience. This expanded the repertoire to include a vast number of composed pieces, particularly the Kriti or Kirtanam, complex devotional songs by composers from the 16th to 20th centuries. After this, the audience was ready to sink into the RTP, the main item. The performance would then finish with dukra items or smaller pieces such as bhajans and tilanas. It turns out that this strategy was a hit. Despite the fact that concerts would now last up to three and a half hours due to the expansion of repertoire, the annual December season in Chennai is still a popular pilgrimage for music lovers around the world, as it's where audiences can experience this performance format known as Kajeri. Here's a clip of Avaranam, another example of the compositions that were added to the repertoire. ways that you can quickly identify whether you're watching a Karnatic or Hindustani concert. In a North Indian concert, the stage tends to look a bit more sparse. You'll usually see the main musician in the middle and a tabla player to their right. If it's a vocal concert, you'll also find an accompanist on sarangi or harmonium to their left and sometimes a tanpura player or two maintaining the drone of the pitch towards the back of the stage. In a Carnatic concert, there's a lot more going on on stage. It's more like an ensemble interacting and responding to each other. For example, if you're watching a flute or veena concert, you'll probably see a violinist as well, who will be accompanying. You'll also see more percussion instruments, from the ghatam, a clay pot, to the morsing, a mouth harp, and mridangam, a barrel-shaped drum. Classical Carnatic percussion is rich in its variety. So you're watching a Carnatic concert and you start to notice people slapping their thighs or clapping with their hands. You're probably thinking, what's going on here? Carnatic percussionists respond to the melodic phrases of the soloist and the tal or time cycle is kept somewhat independently through these hand gestures that you might see. This is where the word 
Dal comes from, as it literally means clap. Just like rag, dal is a framework of Indian classical music that musicians improvise within and explore. In Indian classical music, time is cyclical, so the cycle is maintained by hand gestures, a melody, or a percussionist, and can increase or decrease in tempo, but it carries on until the end of the performance. There are literally hundreds of different time cycles, called teka in the north, with their own unique structures. In Hindustani music, the most common teka is teen tal, a time cycle of 16 beats. Here's an excerpt of a tabla solo in teen tal. See if you can hear the 16-beat time cycle in the melody that's playing. beats were created equal, there's one that Indian classical musicians emphasise the most. The sum. The sum, or summum, is the first beat of the cycle, as well as where it starts and ends. This point of resolution is a key feature of Indian classical music improvisation and performance. The aim of the game is to land effectively on the sum through spontaneous mathematical calculations and melodic phrasing within the Tal and Rag framework. And that's exactly what's so exciting about Indian classical music. Every performance is completely new and will never be played in the same way again. There is no notation. Musicians improvise or spontaneously recollect patterns and ideas from their years of dedicated training and practice. It's often a three-way conversation where the audience are invited to interact, respond, and engage with the performers and the music, in the hope that the ultimate aim of rasa will be achieved. Rasa literally means nectar or juice, and it is this emotive essence that the musician is trying to convey and invoke in a listener, or rasika. Indian classical music is a highly refined form, with a vast range of repertoire, techniques, and stylistic practices. One lifetime isn't enough for a musician. They'll often say, the more you learn, the more you realise how much there is to know. So both the musician and the audience are on a journey to delve deeper into the music every time a performance takes place. But there are some things about music that are universal. When we hear a particular melody or rag, although each of us will feel something different, we'll feel something. Sometimes, it's just about being open and receptive, 
willing to tune out the world and truly immerse yourself. We've come to the end of this podcast, Indian Classical Music, A Listener's Guide, but we'll leave you with a rendition of Rag Bhairavi, a way that many artists choose to end performances, as it's considered a majestic and consummate rag. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please do share it. Don't forget to check out An Indian Summer on social media and Sitar Music Society on Facebook too, if that's more your thing. This podcast has been commissioned by An Indian Summer and produced by Sitar Music Society. I'm Sital. And I'm Kaviraj. We hope that you've found a few gems to take away on your journey with Indian classical music. Thank you for listening.